Paul tells us his greatest accomplishments are a pile of dung, and we learn that you can do all things through a verse that is taken out of context. Welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. My name is Keith, this is Brandon, and we are pastors here in Santa Cruz, California at Gospel Community Church. Welcome, like, subscribe, comment, get the gospel out there. Brandon, what are we talking about today? Talking about the book of Philippians. Philippians. Right? Philippians. Oh, so good. Yeah. Such a good book. Such a classic. So many good memory verses in this, mm-hmm. you know, that you might have known already. Yep. Um, of course, you know Philippians 4.13, which is a sports verse. I oh, think. yeah. Sports, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's, I can dunk on pr- my opponents through the power of Christ. Power of Christ. Yeah. yeah. Or I can um, score a touchdown yeah. by the power of Christ. But it's when good. we lose... When you lose the game, that's not by the power of Christ. Yeah, isn't it crazy that in the entire Bible, it's all about like the saving work of Christ, but that one verse is about me and my sporting accomplishments. Yeah, it's, exactly. cra- it's crazy how that yeah, works, huh? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, we'll get to that. Anyway, who wrote this book? This is a work of the Apostle Paul. Again? A great. Yes, we're in the Again? Pauline epistles. We are smack dab in the middle, I believe. It's going to be a lot of Paul for a long time. Man, I'm just getting tired of this suffering and imprisonment and predestination and gospel. Jeez Louise. Oh, yeah. That's good. It's good stuff. Awesome. Um, but he wrote this to the people at Philippi, the church at Philippi, mm-hmm. which is a, a church that Paul started, of course. it's in, Philippi is in Macedon, mm-hmm. Macedonia. And uh, Philippi was a city that was very patriotic. Oh, like America. Uh, well, America's not a city, really. Like, like Texas. Like Texas. Uh, Texas is also not a city. Whatever. <laughs> it was a, it was very patriotic. It, it had a special status in the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. so they were very proud of their citizenship. Ah, yes. And so when Paul talks, he uses the word citizenship in here to be like, your citizenship is in heaven. Mm. You fools, right? I love it. So love it. he's specifically kind of pointing to their current reality. Don't be proud about that. Be proud about your citizenship mm-hmm. in heaven. And Paul had started this church in Acts 16. So we see the story. Remember the Philippian jailer? Ah, uh, yes. Remember he's like about to kill himself, and then they say, no, no, don't do that. And <laughs> Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Mm. Famous verse. Yep. Very, very good verse. So, yeah, he wrote this, and this is another letter written during his imprisonment, one of his prison epistles. So like we said with Ephesians, this was written either when he was in prison in Caesarea or Rome. And so late 50s, early 60s was when it was composed. Very cool. Awesome. Um, why was it written? Well, so Paul is actually very happy with the church. So usually he's like got Whoa. some problem to address. He's trying to fix something, but it doesn't seem to be very correct. I mean, there's like a thing about two ladies are at odds and get together and be friends. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that, but it doesn't seem like that's, that was the reason why the book was written. Right. It, we do know is that Epaphroditus had visited him from the church. So he okay. visited Paul in prison, brought him a gift of some sort, um, and he had gotten sick while he was with Paul and stayed with Paul. Right. And so Paul is going to commend Epaphroditus for his labor in the Lord mm-hmm. and tell them to honor him. And then also Paul is sending Timothy. So he's kind of preparing them for Timothy coming. Right. Timothy being you know, his protege, his fellow sort of church planter, sort of a guy who does apostolic ministry-ish ministry. He's mm-hmm. not an apostle, but he does that kind of ministry of, of starting churches. Right. So that seems to be the occasion, um, but yeah, it's not a clear problem of any sort that he's correcting. Yeah, that's encouraging. Which is good. Yeah, yeah that's great. Not all the church was uh, 
horrible. Yeah, not all Corinthians and, and Galatians. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So what's the theme of this book? Well, the theme is, uh, I've, I've kind of said it, the, the progress of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So it's there's a huge emphasis on joy. There's a big emphasis on the humiliation of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and that's sort of maybe the center of the book. But it seems like the progress of the gospel is sort of the focus. So look at chapter 1, verse 27. A lot of people point to this as a, as a key verse or the theme verse. It says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Hmm. So he's encouraging them to continue to work in the face of persecution, right, opposition, to continue to see the gospel progress. And he's going to talk to his own situation and how God is bringing progress, even as it seems like he's not through his imprisonment. And then he's going to look to Christ and how Christ's sufferings gave him, you know, obviously not just progress in the gospel, but the gospel itself. And then he'll kind of end with some encouragement to them and some challenges to them about things to watch out for and things to be doing. Awesome. Very cool. So, um, so that's kind of the, I just skipped ahead and that's kind of the outline. So chapter one is Paul's example, chapter two, Christ's example. Mm -hmm. And then chapters three and four is Paul's exhortation and encouragement. Very cool. But this really is one of the hardest books to outline of Paul's. Really? Yeah. Yeah, So it's, it's a really challenging one. No, I'm sure we'll be encouraged either way. Chapter one. Chapter one. Oh, man, this is such good stuff. So he starts with his prayer of thanksgiving, right? And he says that he's praying this, verse five, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So he's immediately pointing to them as Mm co-laborers, partners in the gospel. And so he's very focused on the progress of the gospel. And he says, verse six, very famous verse. um, He says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion of the day of Jesus Christ. So he says, God started this, so he's going to finish it, mm-hmm. which is you know, such a good reminder. If, if God starts something, he always finishes it. Right, and he started salvation and sanctification, and we'll get to glorification. Yeah, he's the yeah. author and finisher of our salvation. Boom. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, and then verse 7, he says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So he's saying, you've been working with me and suffering with me, mm-hmm. and you've, you're sharing in this. So again, he's seeing this partnership that's happening, and he's really emphasizing this. And so he addresses his situation, right? He is in chains. Mm-hmm. He is in prison. This is a big deal. So is the gospel actually progressing? Well, verse 12 addresses that, right? He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Boom. So my suffering, my imprisonment has advanced gospel because the, the imperial guard is hearing the message of Jesus. In fact, at the end, he, he will address the household of Caesar, right? All the saints, of this is 422, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. So there's really something happening that, mm-hmm. that, that the royal family is being affected by this even. That's awesome. And not only is the imperial guard being saved or hearing the gospel message, but people are being emboldened by Christ or by Paul's example. That's in verse 14. So he's saying, this is good. And then he says, you know, there are some, verse 15, there are some who are trying to preach in a way to aggravate me or to attack me, right? Like, haha, we're better than Paul. Mm-hmm. And Paul basically says, I, I don't care. I just want the gospel to advance. I just want the gospel to be made known. I want there to be progress in the gospel. I don't care if it's aimed at attacking me. Hmm. Just if the true gospel is being preached, that's great. Right. And so he's just, he's really making this emphasis clear. Yeah, he's really putting on that humility of Christ, which is awesome. Yeah. 
Verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. I rejoice. And he goes on to talk about more of his own situation, how he is facing the possibility of execution. So does, what, what's, is that a problem? Is that an impediment to the gospel? For Paul, he's saying, no, mm-hmm. this is a good thing. This is his perspective, right? Verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So interesting language there, right? To live is Christ. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really make grammatical sense, mm-hmm. but that's how it's written in Greek, so it's a good translation. To live is Christ. So to continue is to to live for Christ, to minister uh, the work of Christ, right? It's sort of a to- total statement. Yeah. Is to is to you know is Christ, but to die is gain. So it'd be better to die. Mm-hmm. It would actually be better for him to die. So he's he kind of goes into verse twenty three. I'm hard pressed between the tru- two. Like I kind of want to die and go be with Christ. That's way better. But I will, you know, I'll stay with you for now because yeah. you you guys need my my ministry. Yeah, and the, the gospel will go out and more people will be saved. And this is the theme of our youth group. So oh, yeah, this is our theme verse. That's awesome. And we have a picture of a surfer getting eaten by a big wave. Clearly out of context, but it's funny anyway. <laughs> <laughs> is that like metaf- a metaphor? Yeah. yeah. Sure, sure. why not? We'll, so we'll our go students, you know, they're hopefully... What does the wave represent? The wave represents them actually dying and they'd rather be with Jesus. <laughs> but they're here evangelizing the friends at school. Boom. Okay. Okay. That's them, that's them on the... No, no, it doesn't work. So he's so he's he's talking about this, you know. He's not saying he's going to be suicidal. He's just saying he's expressing that that he would he would gladly die. Mm-hmm. But if he's here, it's because there is fruitful labor to be done, and he's going to focus on that labor, and yep. he's going to see progress in the gospel. Yeah. So uh, let's go to chapter two. Chapter two, really famous. He's talking about the need for unity and for um, not to think of yourself too highly and all that, and then he begins to. To share this hymn, most people agree this is some sort of hymn, some sort of poem about Jesus hmm. that expresses who he is, but it really focuses on his work in his humiliation mm-hmm. and exaltation. Right. So what we believe is Jesus, you know, came from the glory of heaven, right? This is what the Bible teaches, to the earth. He was humbled, mm-hmm. born in a very like just his birth was very humiliating. Right. It was a very negative situation. But him entering into human flesh is humiliating. Mm-hmm. It's lowering right. him in a sense of what he actually deserves. So he gives that up willingly. And then in his final humiliation on the cross, God actually uses that to exalt him. Right. So that's what this is all about here. And he's saying through all of this to follow the example of Christ. Verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Mm. So think this way. Have this sort of mindset which is given to you in Christ, right? right? Because you are in Christ. Remember Ephesians, how, <coughs> excuse me, how Ephesians uses that, that t- t- phrase, in Christ. Mm-hmm. So what kind of mindset should we have? Well, verse 6, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So he's saying Jesus was, you know, co-eternal, eternally existent, all these things right. with God. He had the same glory, and yet... He didn't hold on to that. He gave it up. Now think about the contrast that that poses with Adam, mm-hmm. who wasn't God, who was just like God, but actually tried to usurp God's role. Right. No. So Jesus actually does the opposite. He gives exactly. that up no. to become one of us, to take on human flesh. And verse 8 says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Mm. So that is the extent of the humiliation of Jesus. Yeah. And God used this to exalt him, right? Through this, God exalts him. Uh, this, this shows us the purpose of God, right? For everyone to worship Christ. So verse mm-hmm. 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Mm. Wow, what a, just a powerful, powerful statement. So this is how God exalts this is how God, the plan of God progresses. This is how the gospel goes forward. Like this is the pattern. Right. Suffering and humiliation is what brings ultimate glory. Right. And so in the, in the rest of the chapter, he kind of shares about Timothy and Epaphroditus. Right. That they're two guys, two servants with Paul that are ministering in that same way, in the same yeah. spirit. Yeah, follow them, yeah. All right, Timothy is, is sacrificial, right? He's not like the others, verse, verse 21 for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Hmm. But you know Timothy's proven worth, right? So he's he serves with me in the gospel. He's sacrificial. He is modeling what Christ is all about. And Epaphroditus, we see in verse 30, right? He came, he was ill. He nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Hmm. So this is the same kind of model that we see or the same kind of example that we see from Jesus. Right, yeah. So pretty powerful to see how it's not just Christ, but also these other servants that model that same kind of lifestyle. Yeah, and it, yeah. so like you, a couple episodes ago, you talked about the, like the prosperity gospel and how antithetical that it is to the example of gospel ministry um, in the New Testament and what it should be today. You know, it's suffering is... Uh, a part, a planned part, a good part of the life of the Christian, because it does lead to one, the greatest thing that we ever receive from God, salvation and life in Christ. Yep. But our lives through our suffering will give glory to God and God will use that to bring many people into the family of God. And yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So then Paul gets into the second half of the book, which is more about an exhortation and encouragement. So he gives them warnings mm-hmm. um, against false teaching. Mm-hmm. And he uses his own, his own example, his own life, to point to that. And then he deals with some some kind of practical issues in terms of how you should think, your your rejoicing, your mindset, all that kind of stuff. Um, but he gives in chapter three, he gives some of his own testimony. So he he said he warns them against this view that is spreading that works are needed or added to salvation. Mm-hmm. And so he attacks that just like he did in Galatians just like he does in, does in most of his books, really. But he says, verse 2, look out for the dogs. Is it is it a good thing or a bad thing to be called dogs? Well, here, bad. Here, bad? Okay. <laughs> would you would you like to be called a dog? What's up, dog? You What's know? up, dog? <laughs> Do people still say that? I don't know. No, no. I probably would say no, I don't want to be called a dog. Yeah. If you spell D-A-W-G in the Bible... I might be confused. Thing, yeah. 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 I'm very confused. But yeah, so he's he's speaking to those who are these promoters of the law, right? Saying you got to be obedient to the law and promote circumcision. So he says, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. So mutilate the flesh, that seems to, that's clearly a, a statement about circumcision. <laughs> oh, that's <okay>. that's a <laughs> total step step beyond. Um but yeah, for our sake, he's saying, look, this is just mutilation. This isn't helpful at all. Right. 
Um, and so he says, he goes on to speak about the, he's saying like, if you want to have an example of salvation by works, like I'm the best that there it possibly is. Yeah. Like I'm the best. I, I, if anyone could have done it, it would have been me. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul. So he kind of does some of his, his bragging again. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like the opposite of a humble brag. It's like a bragging humility or something. I don't know. <laughs> but he's doing. He's saying these things to point out that everything he had was empty. Right. But he says, verse 4, right, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Right. Circumcised on the eighth day. The right. Eighth just as day? the law. Just wow. as the law. Oh, yeah. Not a day later, not a minute later, just the right time. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, we know historically that's not like the best tribe, but we'll, we'll, we'll let them have it. Yeah. A Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. But, but honestly, with Benjamin, he's saying, I know my lineage. Like, uh, I'm yeah. legit. You know, yeah. I was a Pharisee. I was part of the, the best of the best sect. Mm-hmm. I was trained. Right? I followed the law. I did all these things. Mm-hmm. But, verse 7, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Wow, amazing. So he's saying everything I had is a negative on the scales. It's not, it's not even just neutral, right? It's actually a loss right. compared to knowing Jesus. Right. So none of this can add anything to, to the work of Jesus. For his sake, he says, I've suffered loss, loss of all things and count them as rubbish. What does that word rubbish mean? Uh, I know you're okay. Yeah, yeah, I know you're a big fan of this word. <laughs> um, it's a very strong word. Dung, dung. Yeah, the view, like it's to look at something as if it was dung. That's mm. part of the implication of the word. I mean, dung is like, from what I understand, is like too weak of a word. Like we think of dung, it's like, what am I like British or something? Like <laughs> it's all dung, you know? Like no one says that. A big steaming pile <laughs> of dung. Yeah, <laughs> just to think of a four-letter word that might be stronger yeah. and that might be closer to the emphasis and the negativity of this word. Right. Um, so it's, I mean, it's a very strong, very yeah. strong word. And he's saying, that's what my works are. That's what everything is. Yeah. It, it, if I could just gain Christ, that's what really matters, right? right. Yeah, the gospel is the most important thing, and getting that gospel out there is the only important thing that we stand on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he counts them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, Mm. but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. So he, he emphasizes here just what he emphasized in Galatians and in Romans, that justification is by faith alone. Mm -hmm. Righteousness comes by trusting in Jesus. So he's so, he's just, this is such a great passage that encapsulates a lot of Paul's theology about that. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff is nothing. It's empty. It's rubbish. It's garbage right. compared to knowing Jesus and the, the righteous that only he gives. Yeah. That's how we're saved. Yeah. What a great structure of priorities for your life, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, you might even try to like put things like, and there's like hierarchies of like family and like friends and, you know, your kids and all that kind of stuff. But Christ is always at the top and we have to look at everything else in this life as lesser than that. Yeah. Of worthless compared to Jesus. Yeah. And without, if you lose focus on that, there will never be any progress in the gospel. Right. Because you'll miss the gospel. So he's saying, don't, don't fall into that trap. Mm. Now the natural implication could be, as we've said many times in these, in these books, he emphasizes grace and justification so much 
does that mean that our works don't matter at all? Mm-hmm. Doesn't yeah. mean we can do whatever we want. Doesn't mean we can sin. Yeah. Well, he he goes on to talk about the striving and the need for growth and a certain mindset in Christ. So he says, verse twelve, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Mm-hmm. So he he emphasizes the importance of striving, right, of leaving things behind and moving towards what's ahead, mm-hmm. and and pursuing the upward call of Jesus. Yeah. And so he's very clear about that, that this means you have to live differently. Right, yeah, exactly. And so we see verse 20 is that statement about our citizenship, right? Verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Yeah. So he's he's say, staying here clearly. Your citizenship, where you belong, ultimately is not here; it's in it's in heaven. Yeah. So look forward to that and live for that. So then he then chapter four is sort of that final list of encouragements, and there's actually a lot of great verses here that are that are very familiar if you've been in the church for a while. So there, apparently there was, like I said, some division in the church. There's verse two of chapter four: I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Right. So. Get, the, get these people together, help them be reconciled. Um, we don't know the details there, but he's he saw fit to to call that out here. And then he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> wow, I'm surprised you know that song. I know. I didn't grow up in the church. Crazy, huh? Wow. Well, that's kids, crazy. So that's, that's a throwback. Kids, kids songs. Oh, kids songs? Okay. Yeah, that's no, a good one. That's no. a good one. Yeah, but uh, rejoice, right? This idea of joy. And of course, as you're laboring in the gospel... When you're seeing this progress, there's joy in that. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah, humiliation, there's sacrifice, all those things, but also eternal joy. And he encourages them, right? Verse six, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Mm. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Mm. So pu- put your burdens on him, right? Pray to him. Don't be anxious. Right. It's not just don't be anxious, though. It's but in everything, have prayer and supplication right. and thanksgiving. Right. So those things are so important. You bring your request to God. Right. Supplic- prayer obviously is general speaking to God. Supplication is asking for things from God, mm-hmm. and then thanksgiving is being grateful for what you have. Right. I mean, right. giving thanks as well for all the things you, you've been given to God, um, given by God, and then God's peace. Is is given to us. It's it's right. it's guaranteed to us. Ultimately speaking, so take hold of that promise today. If you have a burden or anxiety, give it to God. Yeah, trust that God can take it. And then verse eight, verses eight and nine, he talks about you know whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, etc. Think on these things, right? Think on these things. Think think is a key word in the book. It's it's mentioned. 11 times hmm. that are some, some form of that word think or mind. Hmm. Um, so the way you think is very important. So he's saying, make sure you set your mind on the right things, right? right? Look to the right things and that's going to shape then how you live. Hmm. And so we have to make sure we're very intentional about what we focus on and think about. Um, and then, it, you know, let's see here. Uh, I got to think of one more thing here in this book. Oh, we got to get to the, the sports verse, of course. Yes. So he's talking about, you know, again, 
the obstacles that he's faced, the struggles that he's faced, and he's saying, I've, I've learned to be content in every situation, right? Right. He says, verse 12, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Here it is, basketball verse. I can do all things. All things. Through him who strengthens me. So, yeah, so is this about hitting home runs or touchdowns or any of that stuff? No, obviously not. This has nothing to do with that. So don't use, I mean, yeah, don't use it. Actually, I just say don't use it in that way at all. Um, understand the context here. He's talking about suffering for the sake of the gospel. Exactly. Right? Being brought low and yet still being able to fulfill the mission God's given to him. Exactly, yeah. He can endure because of the gospel. Yeah. So he can endure because of what God is sustaining him to do through his spirit. Yeah, yeah this is not about self-glorification. Yeah. This is not about temporary vain achievement. Of yeah. course, everything we do is through Christ. Of course, he strengthens us even for menial tasks. But what he's speaking about here is the promise that God is going to sustain us as we do the work of the gospel. Yeah. So that's, again, much, much better <laughs> than dunking on somebody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Literally dunking on somebody. Awesome. So, so yeah, so he, has a, he thanks them for their gift to him and gives a final encouragement in verse 19. He says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Right. Wow, what a great encouragement. So as you are doing Christ's work, he will give you exactly what you need. Mm. Man, I don't think we emphasize those kind of promises enough. Right. That's beautiful. Yeah. And then he says, right, give my greetings. We give our greetings. And then he says, the saints who are with us greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. So God's been doing a work in Caesar's house. Crazy. Watch out. Jesus. Paul is there. He's uh, in Rome <laughs> probably, and he's making a huge impact. And we know the, the rest of the story, right? So that's, that's the book of Philippians. It's just a really encouraging verse. Again, so many great memory verses that you could, you could commit to memory. Um, but read this, read this book, meditate on it. This would be the best thing you could do all day is to spend time really soaking in God's word and what better place than the Philippians. That's awesome. Great. Well, thanks for joining us for Daily Gospel, and we'll see you next week.